Miracle is a word that is bandied about a lot these days. Many things in the news are described as a miracle. Some are incredible events, like when in February, I don't know if you remember the, that terrible earthquake in southern Turkey, a 13-year-old boy was, was dragged from the rubble over 150 hours after that earthquake. Rescuers greeted him with the words, You are a miracle. But other times that word miracle is used just for things that are unexpected. So also in February, a tiny loggerhead turtle was discovered on a beach in County Mayo. And it was described as an absolute miracle that that little turtle had got its, all its way to County Mayo. And then yesterday, last night was the Champions League final. And some people claimed that it was a miracle that Inter Milan got into the final. But of course they couldn't actually win that championship. But none of these things that people call miracles can compare with the miracles that we see in God's Word, in the Bible. They are nothing like the blind men seeing, lame men walking, stooped women straightening, hungry crowds feeding, dead men rising miracles of Jesus. So when we as Christians talk about a miracle, we don't just mean something good or something unexpected. We really mean something that would be of impossible apart from God's direct, extraordinary and powerful intervention. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. A miracle. And not just any old miracle, but one that is greater than any of those that I just mentioned. Today is a celebration of the incredible miracle of salvation. I'm going to read a passage that I think helps us to, to push into what that means and, and how this is such a miraculous thing. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 10 and Jude is going to come up and he's going to read it for us. Thank you very much, Jude. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, which you used to live when you followed the ways of the Lord and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it by grace you have been saved though fate and and this not from yourselves is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Thank you very much, Jude. That's excellent. If we want to understand the miracle that has happened in Tamika's life, then we first need to understand her situation before she trusted in Jesus. Verse 1 tells us here that we were all <coughs> dead in our transgressions and sins. That word transgressions, it means our false steps when we stepped over the boundary line. Sin, that means when we fall short of the standard, when we miss the target. So together they talk about the wrong things that we do and the good things that we fail to do. And because of both, we were dead. Although we were physically alive, walking, talking, breathing, spiritually, we were dead to God. That's how serious the situation was. We weren't just sick, maybe with a chance of recovery or kind of pulling us together and getting, doing a better job. We were dead. And there was nothing that we could do to make ourselves right with God. All hope of life was gone. That's because the wages of sin is death. And that reality of our spiritual death was seen in our disobedience. We used to live in conflict with God's will. Instead of following what God wanted in our lives, we followed the ways of this world, as it says in verse 2. We followed the values, the ambitions, the, the lifestyles of this world as it goes against God. We were also following, verse 2, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Even though we might not have known it, we were under Satan's influence. Susceptible to his deception and his control. But we were also, verse 3, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. We were following our sinful hearts. We were doing what it felt right. What suited us, what made us feel good. And no matter how much we tried, we couldn't change this. We couldn't break the control of the world or of Satan. Or our sinful hearts. And so we were unable to live out God's plan for our lives. That doesn't mean that we could do nothing good. But it means that we always would fall short of that life of love and joy and peace that God created us to live. We were hopelessly lost. And so, as it says in verse 3 again, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, wrath means God's righteous and constant hostility towards evil. And his resolve to condemn that evil. And that's what we deserved. This was the just punishment of our sin. 
So this is the reality of where we all stand before God, outside of Jesus. We're dead, we are disobedient, and we're doomed. It's an unpleasant picture, it's an uncomfortable reality, but it's crucial that we realise this. If we don't, then we'll never really understand the miracle of salvation that Tamika has experienced. We'll never really truly understand how amazing her baptism is as she declares what God has done in her life. Because we'll never understand how much her life now and for the future has been transformed. But even more importantly, if we don't really understand how serious our situation is, then we might miss God's salvation for ourselves. If we've never accepted the seriousness of our sin, then the danger is that we'll still be hopelessly lost. But the great news of the Gospel The gospel we've been singing about and celebrating this morning. The great news is that we don't need to stay that way. That's because despite all the ways that we've fallen short of God's standard, we are still unconditionally loved. Verse 4 in this passage changes everything. Verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, Even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, even when we were disobedient under the control of the world, of Satan and our own sinful hearts, even when we we deserved to be doomed to suffer the wrath of God, even in that situation, God loved us. Totally, completely loved us passionately loved us, unreservedly loved us, without limit, without hesitation. We were hopelessly lost, but we are unconditionally loved. That's something that Tamika can be confident of this morning. Something that we can be confident of too. Because it doesn't depend in any way on us. And how well we are doing. Sometimes when we make a mess of things, we can hesitate to believe that God really loves us. We can hesitate to come to Him. But God's love isn't based on who we are or what we've done. God loves us because God is love. So God doesn't love us more when we've done things well. God doesn't love us less when we've made a mess of things. In fact, there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. Today, just as we are, God loves us completely. There's a lovely little story about this woman called Mary Bird. She wrote about her experience. She said this, I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked. A girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth and garbled speech. 
I was convinced that nobody outside of my family could ever love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade called Mrs. Leonard. Annually, we had a hearing test. As we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sat at our desk and would whisper something. And we'd have to repeat it back. Things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? Finally, it was my turn, Mary says. I waited there for the words that God must have put into her mouth. Those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in a whisper, I wish you were my little girl. That's what God says to us today. Messed up as we are with our sin. He says to us, I wish you were my daughter. I wish you were my son. Tamika's baptism is a celebration that although she was hopelessly lost, she was unconditionally loved. And this love was perfectly demonstrated by Jesus when he went to the cross to pay the price of our sin. This is what Romans 5 and 8 says. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. For us. And because of God's amazing love for us, we can be completely saved. Look at verse 8. It says, You have been saved. Did you notice the tense that Paul used here? He was writing to people who were still alive, whose lives were not finished yet. He was writing to people who were still struggling with sin. And yet he could say they had been saved. Something had already happened and they were now saved. Actually, the original Greek tense of that means you have been saved and will forever be saved. That's why Paul could write to them as if they were already in heaven. Did you notice that in his reading? Verse 5. God made us alive with Christ. They were dead to God, separated from his life, but now they were alive in him. Verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. Yeah, they were still living on earth, but he was talking as if they were now citizens of heaven. Verse 6 again, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. They'd been already given that place of honour and glory in heaven, sharing in Christ's victory. That's the incredible salvation that Tamika has experienced. She was dead, but now she is alive. She was condemned, but now she has been raised in righteousness. She was separated from God, but now, now she is seated with God. 
That's the transformation that God's salvation brings. But how is that possible? How can God take us, sinners as we are, messed up as we are, continuing to struggle as we are, and how can He save us? How can He transform us? How can He declare us His children? How can He transform our lives so much? Well, it's because this is all of God's doing. Look at verse 8 again. It is by grace you have been saved. We're not saved by what we have done. Instead, God has given us this as a gift that we could never deserve. I know a lot of people really struggle with this. I remember a number of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 15 years ago or so, I remember meeting a guy when we were on a, on a, lim, a glow team in Limerick. A young man, student, university student. And we were knocking doors and I knocked his door and he was actually sitting there at that moment talking with his friends about the Bible. He, he, was, he pulled out his little Gideon New Testament that he got at school and he'd been talking about it with his friends. But when I talked to him about salvation being a gift of God's grace, a gift that Jesus paid for on the cross, he politely refused. Very politely. He's a really nice guy. He thought it was more honourable to try to earn God's favour. Earn his way into heaven by living a good life, by going to church, by doing all of those things rather than accepting this gift from God. But sadly that boy just couldn't understand that Jesus went to the cross because we could never earn it for ourselves. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the price that we could never pay. And so all we need to do is accept this gift by faith. Verse again. We are saved by grace. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is turning away from depending on ourselves and our own efforts and instead just trusting completely on what Jesus has done by dying on the cross for us. It's resting in all that he has accomplished for us. And so salvation is, as verse 8 and 9 says, the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Today, Tamika has already declared her salvation publicly, and she will do in her baptism. But that's not an arrogant boast when she says that she is saved. That's just humble gratitude for God's gift that she has received through faith in Jesus. And that's what she's going to demonstrate in her baptism. She will go down into the water, declaring that through her faith in Christ, she was united with Christ in his death. That Jesus' death on the cross paid for her sins. He died her death sentence. She will go under the water as a declaration that her old life under that condemnation of sin is dead and buried and gone forever. 
Then very quickly, not after three days like Jesus, but very quickly, she will come back out of the water as a declaration that she's entered into a brand new life with Christ. That she's been completely saved. And she's committed to live out this new life that God has given to her in gratitude, in worship, in joy, in love. And it's that wonderful new life that the last verse in our passage declared. Let's read it together. Verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are not saved by our works, by our efforts. We're not saved by our faith plus a little bit of works, as if Jesus did his bit and we need to do ours. Saved simply by faith. By accepting this gift. But we are saved to do good works. God has made us new in Christ. We are his masterpiece created for a purpose. To live out our lives for him. A life established on grace, filled with his love, guided by his word, empowered by his spirit. And lived for His glory. Now and forever. Did you notice in the, in the, in the middle of our reading, verse 7? We're saved in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. As Tamika is baptized, she will give witness to God's amazing grace in her life. For the rest of her life, as she lives this new life that she was created for and called to, she will continue to point to God's amazing grace. And then one day, when Jesus takes her to be with him forever, for all eternity, for all eternity, she will be able to testify to the wonderful, outrageous, amazing grace of God. That's the miracle of salvation that we're here to celebrate today. That although we were hopelessly lost, we were so unconditionally loved that Jesus went to the cross to die for us. So that if we put our faith in Him and receive His gift of grace, we can be completely saved. And then we can live a life that is wonderfully transformed. Both now and for all eternity. Folks, if you're here today and you haven't yet experienced this miracle in your life, Please don't think this is just for other people. Don't think it's just for Tamika or for others in church. That somehow you're excluded. This gift of grace is available to each one of us today. Through simple faith, you can receive it right now. You don't need to do anything special. <clears throat> There's no ritual or ceremony required. Just simply accept this gift in your heart. This gift from God. 
this could be the day, this could be the very moment that you are miraculously saved. But if you have experienced this amazing gift, then I hope today, as we witness Tamika's baptism, we will once again be thrilled with, the, with the, how miraculous our salvation truly is. It will impact our hearts again. And we will go, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And we will recommit our lives to live out this new life that God has saved us for. That we will worship the Lord this morning. And celebrate his amazing grace. And that's what we're going to do right now. As we're going to take communion together. We're going to take broken bread. To remember Jesus' body broken for us under the weight of our sin. We're going to take those cups to remember his blood shed for us. To wash away our sin. And we're going to do this to express our gratitude. For all that we have received by God's grace alone. Through our faith alone. In Christ alone. So if you've trusted in Jesus, then please join with us as we celebrate this wonderful, miraculous salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you so much for all that you've done. How that even although we were hopelessly lost, we were lost in our sin, we were far from you. We were dead and disobedient and doomed to suffer the wrath that you rightfully would pour out on us, Lord. And yet you love us completely. You love us unconditionally. You love us unreservedly. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for your amazing love. This love that we have experienced so much in our lives of, and yet ultimately we look to the cross of Jesus and see him dying for us on the cross, and we know, we know for sure that you love us. But Lord, thank you that 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 sacrifice on the cross was not just a demonstration of love, it was payment for our sins. So that we can be completely forgiven. So that we can be completely accepted into your family. That we can be declared righteous in your sight. That by your grace we can be saved. Through simple faith. And we can step into this transformed life. Created by you to do good works. Which you have prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, we just thank you for your amazing grace this morning. So as we take this bread, as we take this cup, Lord, help us to remember Jesus. Help us to look towards him and celebrate all that he has done. Rejoice in his gift of grace for each one of us. And we will respond, not just through putting our faith in him as our saviour, but following him as our Lord. Living each day for him. Living our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing in your sight. To express our gratitude and our joy for all that you have done in our lives. 
Father God, we just thank you for your amazing grace expressed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.